0: Eli the priest and his sons are leaders in Israel. Find out what happens to them when they get their leadership priorities severely mixed up on The Bible Brief. Want more Bible learning content like this? Sign up for our newsletter and follow us on social media. Links are in the show notes to this episode. Just because someone is a spiritual leader doesn't mean that they are a spiritual person. Someone may be in a position designated by God himself, but just because the person occupies a position doesn't mean that he is a godly person. Many of us know this firsthand or have heard of stories of ungodly leadership and its ill effects. Effects that can turn people away from the church, question God's goodness, or make them callous to hearing more about Jesus. And let me tell you something, God does not like His leaders acting in an ungodly way. Over and over again in the Bible, we see God's disdain for leaders who do not honor Him and who do not live lives of obedience to Him. Because of their position before God, He holds them to a high standard. In many ways, they represent God to others, and God will not be misrepresented. He reserves special judgment for leaders who lead others astray. Now, many of these leaders may start on a straight path. When they are placed in their leadership position, they may honor God and seek to do His will. They may begin well. But something can happen over time. It can creep into a leader's life and take over without their intention. What can happen is a shift in priority. Perhaps fame does it. Maybe family maybe riches. But a shift can take place where the priority of honoring God is placed, however unintentionally, into second place. Clout comes first. Family comes first. Riches come first. But when anything takes the place of God, bad things are bound to happen. Samuel had been in the tabernacle for years under the tutelage of Eli who was getting up there in age. From his earliest memories, Samuel had been in the tabernacle seeing people come from all over Israel to sacrifice before the Lord. He learned all about Adam and Eve in the garden, God's promises to the old man Abraham, and God's deliverance of the Israelites from their slavery in Egypt. But that wasn't all. Samuel also had studied the law that God had given the nation starting at Mount Sinai. The law that should govern the nation yet seemed to sometimes be viewed as a suggestion rather than binding instructions for conduct. Samuel was familiar with all the recent judges that God had raised up to save the nation, and he knew that Eli was the current judge. He was learning from the current leader of Israel, and while Eli certainly wasn't perfect, Samuel had learned a lot. Samuel's favorite time of year was probably when he was visited by his mother and father when they came to make their yearly sacrifices. It's no doubt that Hannah told her son why he was there, instead of with his younger brothers and sisters. She had made a vow to Yahweh, and she had given Samuel to Yahweh because he had blessed her with a son. Samuel had solid examples of leadership in his life. He had his faithful mother, and he had the priest Eli who was leading Israel. Yet Samuel also had truly awful examples too, in the form of Eli's sons. Eli's sons were a despicable sort that all the people began to talk about. They took advantage of their position as priests in awful ways. First, they ate the best of the sacrifices that the people had brought. When they would bring an animal as a burnt offering, the sons would take the fattiest, tastiest part of the meat for themselves, and instead of burning it like the law demanded, they would eat it. But second, they even took advantage of the women who helped serve at the tabernacle. Pleasure took priority over their priestly duties, and pleasure certainly took priority over God. And Eli heard of it, and he heard more about it, and finally he addressed their behavior. He said to them in First Samuel chapter 2, starting in verse 23, Why do you do such things? For I hear of your evil dealings from all these people. No, my sons, it is no good report that I hear from the people of the Lord spreading abroad. If someone sins against a man, God will mediate for him. But if someone sins against the Lord, who can intercede for him? But they would not listen to the voice of their father, for it was the will of the Lord to put them to death. Eli attempts to reason with his sons that they might turn from their sins against the Lord, but his words fall upon deaf ears. God apparently was already ready to judge them for their sin and so they wouldn't listen. They just continued in their rebellion against God. Meanwhile, Eli, Israel's judge, could have stopped their behavior in other ways, yet he chose not to. Soon the Lord sends an unnamed prophet to Eli to announce something grievous to him, something that surely caused him to weep in the days following. The prophet announces that the house of Eli, he and his descendants, would be cut off from serving as priests, and that his descendants would die by the sword. Further, just so Eli knew that this prophecy would be fulfilled, he would be given a sign. Both of his sons would die on the same day. You can imagine the cascading realization of what this meant to Eli, the old priest. His descendants wouldn't have the honor of leadership in the nation. Instead, they would be dishonored and die awful deaths. Soon God would continue moving in Samuel's life, and he would use Samuel to continue his judgments upon the house of Eli. One evening when Samuel had lay down to rest, God called him for the first time. Initially Samuel thought that it was Eli calling his name, but he soon understood that it was Yahweh himself calling. That night the Lord called Samuel and announced to him further judgment on Eli, an announcement that he feared to tell the old man. The Lord said this, Behold, I am about to do a thing in Israel at which the two ears of everyone who hears of it will tingle. On that day I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. And I declare to him that I am about to punish his house forever for the iniquity that he knew because his sons were blaspheming God and he did not restrain them. Therefore, I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house Shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or by offering forever. Yahweh announces to Samuel that he will soon fulfill his word of punishment toward the house of Eli, both punishing the sins of Eli's sons and Eli himself for not restraining his sons from their wickedness. Further, in doing this, God is demonstrating the importance of Samuel to the ongoing story. Eli's house is coming to an end, but Samuel is being spoken to directly by the Lord. In an era where prophecy was rare, God is coming to Samuel. The implications of this are apparent, but God's favor upon Samuel is made explicit in verse 19 of the same passage. We read, And Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel knew that Samuel was established as a prophet of the Lord. A major shift is about to occur in Israel. God had announced it to the house of Eli, and he has progressively established this new prophet in Israel. Samuel is about to replace Eli as Israel's judge. The triggering event is nothing less than a battle against the Philistines, a people residing in the western part of Israel's territory, bordering the Mediterranean Sea. We read this in 1 Samuel chapter 4. Now Israel went out to battle against the Philistines. They encamped at Ebenezer, and the Philistines encamped at Aphek. The Philistines drew up a line against Israel, and when the battle spread, Israel was defeated before the Philistines, who killed about 4,000 men on the field of battle. And when the people came to the camp, the elders of Israel said, Why has the Lord defeated us today before the Philistines? Let us bring the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord here from Shiloh, that it may come among us and save us from the power of our enemies." So the people sent to Shiloh and brought from there the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of hosts, who is enthroned on the cherubim. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were there with the Ark of the Covenant of God. Apparently after losing 4,000 men in battle to the Philistines, the people of Israel think that they can grab the Ark of the Covenant from the tabernacle, that golden vessel that held the Ten Commandments and where God was said to dwell on the tips of the angel wings. They thought that they would just use that as a lucky charm in their battle against the Philistines. Sadly for them, though, the ark isn't a good luck charm, and God won't be used in this way. We read in verse 10 that, The Philistines fought, and Israel was defeated, and they fled, every man to his home. And there was a very great slaughter, for thirty thousand foot soldiers of Israel fell, and the ark of God was captured, and the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, died. 30,000 soldiers of Israel died in this great battle. But importantly, Eli's two sons died in that battle as well. Both died on the same day, just as the unnamed prophet had spoken. Soon a runner comes from the battle to bring news to Eli on what has happened. And we read this in verse 16. The man said to Eli, I am he who has come from the battle. I fled from the battle today. And he said, How did it go? He who brought the news answered and said, Israel has fled before the Philistines, and there has also been a great defeat among the people. Your two sons also, Hophni and Phinehas, are dead, and the ark of God has been captured. As soon as he mentioned the ark of God, Eli fell over backward from his seat by the side of the gate, and his neck was broken and he died. For the man was old and heavy. He had judged Israel forty years. Eli and his two sons come to a quick end all on the same day. First his sons, and then the old man. Upon hearing about the ark being stolen by the Philistines, he keels over, breaks his neck, and dies. Eli had prioritized his sons' livelihoods over restraining their evil conduct. His sons had prioritized their pleasure over obedience to God's commands. And now these three leaders of Israel were dead. Their priorities were in the wrong place, and God doesn't play second fiddle with his leaders. Yet with the downfall of these three leaders, God had picked his man in Samuel. He had raised him up among the tabernacle, and he had called him as a prophet and a judge. Samuel would now become the leader of Israel, a leader who would preside over one of the most consequential developments in the history of the nation. God had been king over the nations since he brought them out of Egypt. But soon the people would reject God and demand a new king. A human king, like the other nations. Join us next time as we see the Philistines plagued by their possession of the ark. Before hearing the people of Israel cry out for a king. The Bible Brief is brought to you by the Bible Literacy Foundation, dedicated to helping people like you learn the Bible. Copyright Bible Literacy Foundation 2023.